Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we've got a very special guest who has become a vocal supporter of a national divorce. And while you might not know his name, you most likely know his work. His name is Connor Boyack, and he is the president of the Libertas Institute, a free market think tank in Utah, and he is the creator of the very popular book series, The Tuttle Twins. You're going to love what he's got in store for you, so don't go anywhere. Hey, Connor, thank you so much for being uh, on the Texas News Podcast. Happy to be here. Well, super. Well, look, uh, for those who may be listening that may not be familiar with the Tuttle Twins uh, or Libertas, why don't you give us an, an overview of both of those, if you don't mind? Sure. So I started uh, how we, we say it, Libertas Institute. It's actually the Roman goddess of liberty. Her name is Libertas, our Statue of Liberty. Uh, so Libertas Institute was founded in Utah uh, about uh, 12 years ago as a what's called a think tank. Basically, we work to change laws at a state and local level. And so we help educate elected officials and give them ideas of what they can do, uh, what, what bills they can run, what uh, laws they can repeal, uh, hopefully. So we've been at that for a while. We've since uh, changed a little bit. Now we work across the country, uh, not just in Utah. So we're all over the place partnering with existing organizations to give them ideas and strategy and marketing and so forth to get passed. Along the way, I was a dad who wanted to share with my kids what the heck I do all day for work and uh, couldn't really figure out a way to explain it. So I turned to Amazon and said, uh, you know, are there any books that teach about property rights or about free markets or things like that for kids. There was nothing. Uh, and so that is uh, when we decided to launch the Tall Twins, which is a children's book series that helps young uh, kids and, frankly, their parents uh, to learn about the ideas of a free society. We sold over 5 million copies. We've got a cartoon and all kinds of fun stuff to educate uh, kids of all ages, young and old, and members of Congress on uh, on what these ideas are and uh how we can put them into practice. Well, fantastic. Well, and, and I got to tell you, Connor, uh, one of, as we get ready to segue into uh, the, the next topic, uh, our director of technology, we have a pretty significant uh, homeschool contingent uh, of people inside the TNM. And uh, I, I got to tell you, um, I, I was excited when our uh, director of technology comes to me and she says, you are never going to believe what's in the, What's in Tuttle Twins? And, and it was about national divorce and, and about Texas. And so, uh, you know, there was obviously a lot of excitement about that. And, and of course, since then, uh, there have been some, some fairly public back and forth discussions uh, about the issue of national vo divorce. Let, let's try to put a pin in this, get the edges around the conversation. To you, in your mind, what does national divorce mean? Well, let's go to the opposite. What does it mean to have a national marriage? Or or we can make it more generic and say a relationship. Every relationship is predicated on consent. Our Declaration of Independence recognizes that fact. It says just governments or governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. I wrote a book a few years ago, not a Tell Twins book. This one's for teens uh, called Lessons from a Lemonade Stand. And in that book, I explore this idea of consent. Very simply for, for kids to understand, what I say there is that consent has to be explicit in order to truly be consent. 
So, so when you go buy a house, you sign on the dotted line. You explicitly agree to things. When you get your cell phone provider, maybe you're hitting a button and saying, I agree to the terms and conditions, but you are explicitly consenting. The problem with our political structures today is that there is no explicit consent. The consent of the governed is implied. It is not explicitly given. It's, oh, you voted, therefore you've given consent. Well, just because you're, a, let's say, a flaming liberal that lives in a hugely conservative area, you voted, but you were voting against everything. You were explicitly trying to dissent through the, the voting system. So the fact that you voted, happened to vote in that system, I mean, you could flip it, right? You could say you're a super conservative person living in, you know, California. Just because you're voting does not mean you consent to what's happening. In fact, you hate it. And then you might say, well, you live there. So you agree to be subject to the rules of that particular state or, or city or county. Well, just just because you happen to reside and own property somewhere does not mean you agree to everything that's happening. Because if you look at the definition of consent in the in the especially in the 1828 Webster's dictionary, which is the closest dictionary we have to kind of the founding fathers' time to understand how words were actually meant back then. When you look at the word consent, it defines it as a yielding of the mind to that which is agreed. You you yield your mind. When, when I right. get married to my wife, I yield my mind to the fact that I'm going to have to, you know, do the dishes and uh, to her satisfaction and, I, you know, do acts of love to show her I love her. Like I, I'm yielding my mind to that relationship and everything that it implies. I've right. explicitly agreed to enter into that contractual relationship, knowing that there are obligations and opportunities that arise from it. So our modern political structures today lack explicit consent. I argue that they do not have the consent of the governed, that they're therefore illegitimate, um, and that we need to explore what it would look like to have a, a governance model that actually allows for true consent to be given. Right. And and I got to tell you, it it is... Um, it's interesting. One of the things that, that we've had to obviously address since national divorce has become this this term is we had to tell people, look, national divorce is, is a slogan. It's not a plan. Uh, a lot of people have a, a lot of varying views of, w of what that looks like. For example, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, has, has talked about national divorce multiple times. It always gets the media stirred up, and what she's talking about is something probably very different than what, say, we're talking about or what you just laid out for uh, national divorce. Uh, it's it definitely is something that uh, that it seems to be a bit of a moving target. But isn't that what what happens? Is we we get into these situations where because we can't agree on the definitions of words. Uh, we wind up just kind of shouting at one another instead of having conversations about how to move forward. I think that's right. And and to me, what matters here is more the problem than the solution. And what I mean by that is, as you point out, there are various approaches to take in, in a so-called national divorce. Uh, you can have ballot initiatives. You can have you know Congress do something. You can uh, divide things up regionally. You can divide it up politically. Like there, there's, there's options. There's interesting conversations to have on what that might look like were to go that way. But there's not going to be any kind of consensus uh, for support of a particular proposal if people do not understand the problem. Uh, you know, no one wants a solution to a problem they don't know exists. And so I, I see a large part of this discussion centering around helping people understand, again, that you, you can't have consent unless you can dissent. 
right? You you cannot agree to something unless you legitimately have the opportunity to agree. You can't have a union of states uh, and, and a consent for states to be part of that union unless there is an option for states to opt out. Because if states are prohibited from, from opting out, then that, that is not a union. That is a forced relationship. It is not a voluntary union of confederated states. That is a forced, top-down structure that lacks consent because there's no opportunity for dissent. So I, I see a great need in helping people understand the problem so that we can then start to explore, all right, well, you know, what are the solutions? And if at the end of the day, every state and all the voters and everyone decides that we want to keep things as is, that's fine. But it's a debate worth having because I think this foundational aspect of consent is so important for people to wrap their arms around and start to think through, well, yeah, wait a minute, I didn't agree to that and I don't like that. And how have I given my consent to be governed? And let's have that conversation about how we might potentially change things. Yeah, it's it's an amazing uh, conversation to have. You know, you look around the world, uh, you you see that explosion of self-governing independent nations go from a little over 50 at the end of World War II to, uh, you know, almost 200 by the end of the 20th century. Uh, and, and so it, it almost seems internationally that that conversation is a bit more organic for them because they've seen shifting borders and the birth of self-governing nation states. And, uh, you know, it can be a bit of a tough nut to crack. I could tell you that in the first years when we founded our organization and began to talk about Texas, I mean, the, the number one question, obviously, other than the Social Security question, please don't get me started, uh, was can we, can we really do that? You know, and, and I think that that's, uh, I think that's part and parcel of, of some of the challenge that we have. But look, I want to kind of want to ask you something sort of on a personal level about national divorce. Have you always supported this concept of national divorce or exploring national divorce? Uh, or was, was there some sort of catalyzing moment for you where the light bulb flipped on and you said, you know, um, I, I think this is something that needs to be done or this is a conversation that needs to be had okay that's an interesting question um you know i don't like to use the term national divorce myself i i, I think that's kind of a, a poor label uh for it again my my focus is on what is consent and what is consent of the governed and how can we have a true union um no one no one likes the idea about divorce divorce can be messy like like this can have a very peaceful resolution we don't we don't need a civil war. We don't need like any of this kind of stuff. So for me, I think this started when I, like growing up, I, I was, you know, Republican, conservative. My mom was on the city council for like a decade. Uh, we weren't a super political household, but, you know, my parents shared their views with me and I kind of was a default Republican, but hadn't given it much thought. Uh, as I began to study, uh, mostly after college, reading a lot of books, self-study and kind of exploring curiosity of American history and, and so forth, I, uh, I read a lot, but one, a couple books in particular were by Thomas DiLorenzo talking about Abraham Lincoln. And this was my, like, I had grown up under the Lincoln myth that, that, you know, this savior of our country and he freed the slaves and this great orator who did all these amazing things. What's funny is in recent years, I see Lincoln like I see Barack Obama. Uh, you know, all during Obama's presidency, he was flattered with praise for his oratory abilities and his grandiose kind of like, you know, high lofty kind of approach to life that he was always trying to take this aspirational whatever. 
and and people were looking at the actions. Like here's a guy who won the Nobel Peace Prize and he's carpet bombing the Middle East, killing thousands of innocent civilians with drones. You know, and but it's just oh, his rhetoric is so nice, and we like listening to him. You know, so I now see Lincoln the same way. He has this aura about him where people perceive him a certain way. He was a good speechifier. He did communicate well. But I I first learned from DiLorenzo and then kind of went down some rabbit holes, realizing that there is more than meets the eye when it comes to Lincoln. That what I had been told in, you know, fifth grade social studies <laughs> was not quite the full picture of what actually happened. That here's a guy who, you know, deported uh, uh, his chief political opponent that uh, criminalized journalism, suspended habeas corpus, violated the Constitution, all these things. And you start to think, well, wait a minute, like that, that's not okay. And all of it was being done not to free the slaves, because again and again, he said, I don't care about slavery. I think whites are the superior race, he said. We should, you know, deport all the blacks to their own colony and have them live. Like he was not in this uh, to stop slavery. He was in this to compel the Southern states to remain part of the Union. So to me, this isn't a slavery issue. This isn't a civil war issue. This isn't just a historical issue. This is really a question of what is the nature of our political relationship? And that question is as pertinent today in my mind as it was back then. So I kind of went down this path first by really challenging my my previous understanding or lack thereof about Abraham Lincoln and relooking at the so-called civil war in a totally different light, starting to look into state sovereignty. There was a book I read about uh, secession and the constitution uh, that was particularly illuminating because I had also been told, oh, it's unconstitutional and the Supreme Court said so. And uh, and so that book I read, I don't remember the author's name, was was very illuminating. Uh, and, and so, you know, this isn't my biggest issue. I work on a lot of different things, of course, but like from a philosophical perspective, um, I, I it was those kind of early studies that put me on this path of, of uh, thinking that it's worth the conversation. And rejecting everyone who claims that you're being, you know, uh, bigoted or you're a Nazi or you're a neo-Confederate or, you know, whatever you are because uh, you're trying to dredge up things that supposedly were settled uh, by the by the so-called Civil War. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it a lovely thing that the opposition, uh, that's all they have. In the absence of, of an argument against even having the conversation, what they have is slurs and epithets, right? I mean, we... Uh, you know, we, we hear the, the term uh, traitor, uh, seditionist all the time. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I can sit here and um, be very happy in the fact that we're at a supermajority of Texans who support this issue now. So, uh, you know, they can call us what they want to as long as it keeps bumping the support numbers up. Uh, well, uh, final, final question, then we'll, we'll let you get back to it. I know you're super busy, Connor. Uh, will there be – will there be a – Tuttle Twins book on national divorce and or Texit. So the approach, I love the question. And I'm asked <laughs> this question about a lot of issues, uh, sure. the, you know, people's pet issues and different things. And the sad thing about our work is that there's so many horrible things and, and political things and problems that we could do a book about. The way we structure our books typically is that I, for example, our books are translated into 12 or 13 uh, different languages. Mm. And uh, in my mind, these ideas of, uh, of liberty, of a free society, are and should be relevant everywhere. 
uh, no matter, you know, what uh, type of government people live under, what language they speak, what religion they, you know, worship, practice, whatever. Uh, none of that matters. I think these ideas are universal. So our books, we try and focus uh, primarily on kind of universal political principles that can be applied all over the place. Um, to that end, uh, you know, the book that I would say touches uh, the most closely to this topic so far is one called, let's see if I have it here. Um, I don't. The Tuttle Twins and the Fate of the Future. So this was our ninth book. Uh, all of our kids' books are based off of, or I should say inspired by an original, classic, important book. So we've got, you know, Atlas Shrugged or Economics in One Lesson, uh, The Road to Serfdom, The Law by Bastiat, I Pencil, and on and on and on. This one, The Tuttle Twins and the Fate of the Future, is inspired by Murray Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. Uh, in which he deconstructs what is consent. In fact, I used a lot of his ideas in my Lessons from a Lemonade Stand book that I spoke about earlier. And so in The Tuttle Trends and the Fate of the Future, we talk about consent. We talk about how you have to have, that. we talk about the evils of the state and the problems that you have when you just have an authoritarian model of political governance that is coercing people to do things that they otherwise might not want. Uh, and that's why voluntary decisions and consent is so important. So that book, I would say, focuses on a principle that is adjacent to this question of national divorce and tags it more specifically. I do anticipate in the future we'll get more into uh, finding stories where we can talk about things like union and secession. Mm -hmm. And these, these as you point out, in modern history, there's been a subdivision of authority and lots of other self-governing nation states. So that's a relevant question that applies all over the world not just to Texas, not just to my state of Utah, uh, but to people all over the world. So I do anticipate at some point we'll, we'll create some content around that. Where it falls in the priority of all the other topics, I can't say. We've got a very unfortunate or, or fortunately long list of things that we want to do. But every year we're putting out a few different books, like our, our most recent one that just came out last week, in fact, is called The Tuttle Twins Guide to True Conspiracies. And, uh, and every chapter is a different proven, documented, uh, conspiracy, uh, an example of government corruption. Uh, for us, it's a goal to help these teenagers who read it to develop critical thinking and realize, my gosh, we're being lied to all the time. So let's be kind of skeptical and cautious about what we're hearing. Uh, it's like our 27th book or something like yeah. that. We've got books for all ages uh, and all of them are at TuttleTwins.com. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Connor, thank you so much for being with us here and uh, look forward to visiting with you again soon. Thank you. All right. A big thank you to, uh, to Connor for coming on here, talking about total twins, talking about national divorce. Uh, I mean, fantastic insights. And, you know, I think it's pretty evident that the issue is everywhere and people are talking about it. And, uh, you know, the fact that it's been hit on in, in uh, some of the Tuttle Twins newsletters and, well, I mean, you heard what Connor had to say. Um, so definitely be sure to check out the website, learn more about Connor, learn more about the Tuttle Twins. All right, time to get to some other updates. The biggest is none other than the Texas Conference, right? We are fastballing toward the Texit Conference in Waco, and uh, it is not too late to get your tickets. Head over right now to texitconference.com and get your tickets right now. And lots of brand-new speakers added. I think I mentioned last time we had Senator Bob Hall, and we've got Dr. Steve Turley and Dr. Matt Quartrup. And 
State Representative Kyle Biederman, which I think is probably the big news, especially for folks that listen to this podcast. Kyle Biederman is, in fact, running again for state representative. And so he's going to join the long list of candidates that have signed the Texas First Pledge. And so, folks, we've got a phenomenal opportunity to jump in there and, and get uh, some, some phenomenal folks elected that will, beyond a shadow of a doubt, file the Texas referendum legislation in the next session. So uh, this is going to be one for the ages. Look, there's still even more candidates to announce. We've been talking to some of them already, uh, and some that have already announced that are barely in that are getting ready to sign the Texas First Pledge. If you want to know about the candidates that uh, have signed the Texas First Pledge that are saying that they will support your right of self-government, uh, you can head over to TakeTexasBack.com and uh, look at the full list there. And, of course, another big announcement that has essentially superseded the news of the third special session, which, let's be honest, uh, because the House doesn't really like to work that much, has been kind of boring. I mean, really boring. Uh, so the other big news for this particular episode of the Texas News is really TNM News. And it is all about the rollout. Uh, we have had a major rollout of not just a brand new news site focused on TNM and Texit News. I mean, it, it's amazing. You'll you'll see it. Uh, just head over to news.tnm.me and you can take a look. But we are also rolling out a brand new structure for membership. Look, we've listened to you, and we've heard what you've had to say. And, you know, the, the annual memberships were not working for everyone. So uh, what we've done is we've rolled out a brand-new membership structure that lowers the barrier to entry for everyone. It's not going to break your pocketbook. It's going to give you access to a whole lot more information than you've got access to right now. You know, that aforementioned Texas news site has almost a 1,000 pieces of content uh, that have never been available on our existing platforms and in some instances have never been seen at all. I'm talking about archives going all the way back to the very beginnings of the TNM. Top of that, we're going to be launching a brand new research library for members. I mean, it's just tons of stuff. But but look, uh, it's it's a lot easier for you to see it than it is for me to say it. So uh, head over to tnm.me. You'll find the jump-off pages right there, not just for the news site, but also for the new memberships and the brand-new TNM store. That's right. We've rolled out a true blue uh, e-commerce experience for you guys. With ch It's chock-full of brand-new items as well. Uh, TNM labeled Protexit items. You just got to go check it out. So head over to tnm.me. Uh, you'll find the links to jump off and check it out. And if you are not a member already, you need to head over right now and join, right? There is no better way to show your support for the work that we are doing than by becoming a member. Uh, you heard me say it to Connor a moment ago. Uh, the opposition could say all they want to, but here we are sitting pretty at a supermajority of Texans who want to vote on Texas. Now, if that supermajority of Texans said, look, I'll help make this happen by becoming a member of the TNM or making a donation or whatever that is, uh, this thing would be done already, right? So 
uh, definitely make sure you go over right now, explore the membership options and the cool things you get with them, uh, and sign up today, right? And who knows, maybe if you keep listening to Texas News, maybe you will get some uh, additional perks and codes to go along with it. But that is a topic for another week. All right, my friends, that is a wrap for this episode of the Texas News. Uh, I'm so glad that you joined us this week. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're fastballing toward the conference. And so, uh, you know, these things, you're going to be hearing a lot more interviews from folks uh, and getting a, a lot, I think, more in-depth analysis on the Texas News broadcast or on the Texas News podcast. Sorry, I'm old school radio, man. What can I say? Anyway, as I said, that is a wrap for this week. Uh, I'm going to leave you with the words I leave you with every single time we're together. They're the words of Sam Houston when he said that Texas will again lift its head and stand among the nations. I believe that time is now, and the question is, will you stand with her? <laughs>